Well, I'd like to uh, ask uh, Benjamin and Melody Paulo of Africa Family Rescue to come forward. You know, if you've never been on a, a true, no, no, we don't need it. <laughs> a true foreign mission trip and, and seen the difference in lifestyle, the, the, the struggles that people outside of, you know, our kind of circle of the world face, it will open your eyes. But I think one of the greatest eye-openers I ever had was worshiping in a dirt floor sanctuary where I didn't understand a single word being said, and yet my spirit knew the worship of God was real. And it hit me that we are all worshiping the same God. When we lift up the name of Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter where in the world. And so today you get to find out what Jesus is doing through this wonderful couple here. So, no more. Does it really matter? Yeah. <laughs> so you get a little piece of who I am today. Good luck with that. Hey, um, I was going to do the intro. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so this is the first time I've ever used one of these because she usually has that and I don't have anything. So um, this is going to make this fun for you guys because we like to go back and forth and she'll say that's really not how it went, Ben, and I'll say I thought it was. But... Um, you know, we argue on stage, but just for your benefit. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I was sitting in that chair, and I was just thinking what Roger just said, uh, how the name of Jesus can bring total strangers close together. And, and we feel it in Africa on the dirt floor churches. We feel it. I felt it here this morning. Uh, so just give you a little quick introduction. Um, I'm Ben. This is my best friend. Before she became my wife, she was my best friend and uh, my confidant. And I'm so honored to do ministry with this woman. She has got as woven a tapestry, and we've been woven into it. And so today you're going to hear a story, an adventure of what God has taken us on up to this day. Some of you will be moved to sponsor a widow today. Some of you will be moved to give to the general fund of our ministry. Just follow your heart and listen to the Lord. And some of you will just be moved to pray for our ministry. So, let's get going. Africa Family Rescue, I don't know if you've heard that name yet before. Next slide. We are a nonprofit, faith-based organization in our Entire goal is to restore hope and dignity to families, communities, and churches affected by extreme poverty in Africa. Ding. <laughs> oh, look at us. Uh, this story started back in 1989, actually 88 when I asked her to marry me. Oh, it's like Miami Vice. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I know the. All these poor young yes, people have no yeah, idea. Uh, so, imagine this romantic horse-drawn carriage, arm around her shoulder, will you marry me, in downtown Chicago. Um, I didn't say yes right away. She did not say I yes. I didn't. These are the things that I said, which is very ironic. Who gives an ultimatum during a proposal? <laughs> Apparently me. Um, I just, so, ben and, ben and I, let me just give you a little bit more background. I was uh, born and raised in well, I was born on the south side of Chicago. You should feel very sorry for me. Um, and then I was raised on the west side of Chicago. We currently live in Dallas. But Ben was um, a military family, so he moved around quite a bit. Um, so I got into trouble in Chicago. 
And um, I actually went out to uh, a suburb of Chicago and met him uh, in a Christian school, a little Christian school. And um, yeah, so when he asked to marry me, I was first of all shocked. I didn't know why. Um, that was the first thing I said, why would you want to marry me? The second thing is that I knew Ben was the chaplain at this little tiny Christian school. And I knew the trajectory of where his life should be going. And I wasn't on board with that. <laughs> um, I was like, I just want you to know who you're married. So um, I said, as long as I'm, I'm not having to be a pastor's wife, as long as I don't have to have four kids, and as long as I'm not a missionary in Africa, I'm fine. I'll take it. <laughs> and here I am today. Yeah, next, next slide. <laughs> Whoops. Okay. We figured it out after four. Yeah. Um, Yeah, this is a side note to help you understand how God connected me and Roger and next picture. So these are, there was a Christian rock festival that's no longer, it was called the Cornerstone Festival. And Melody sacrificed everything and came with me, but I had to get an RV because she wouldn't tent. But um, here we are, this guy with the long hair is Luke Easter. And he is, was the lead singer of a band called Tourniquet, really uh, heavy metal, I apologize to some of the older folks, but one of my favorite bands. And Luke put me in touch with Roger, and the three of us had only pretty much met online. Uh, and yesterday was the first day I met Roger after Facebook friends for a while. Next slide. Okay, let's see what... So, um, when, I, when I started... I started having children. Um, I, I actually was uh, doing some homeschooling uh, for our kids at one point, and um, this, this man walked up to me in a public library, and he, in broken English, just asked for a ride home. Um, knowing where I've grown up and the things that I've gone through as I grew up, it would be very shocking that I would drive somebody home. And With I, my children in the car. <laughs> And I really just felt like a calm come over me, like a piece of Holy Spirit just kind of like, yeah, let us take this guy home. So I put him in the car, and then that evening, um, one of my sons said to their daddy at um, the dinner table, hey, um, mom, mommy drove a stranger home from, from the library today. And Ben's like, what? No, no, I was like, what? Yeah. And then I said, everybody in the car, we're driving to wherever you dropped this guy off. And I went and I just about beat the door down. Because my wife had been through so much in Chicago. And I was like, this is not going to happen to my family. And uh, this man answered the door. He was not dressed like this. Um, his name is Providence, which is another sign of God's humor. Um, you know, it's like Melody said she would never go to Africa. But God brought Africa to our doorstep. And... Again, I just picture this tapestry being woven by God. Um, and I was very upset with him. Within a matter of three minutes, I invited him over for dinner. And then he moved in our house for three years. <laughs> so, of course, if you're living in my basement and there's no private entrance, you're going to have dinner every night with us, every meal together. Um, we 
we, we learned about his family and the, the genocide that happened in Rwanda. Raise a hand, anyone know what the genocide in Rwanda was like? It's a million people were killed in 90 days. Uh, he escaped, came to the US, and we got him political asylum, eventually smuggled his family out. Um, but during this time while he lived with us, he taught us about poverty in Africa. And we taught him English, although he spoke five languages fluently. And um, he just became like a, a member of our family. Actually, next slide, please. Oh, is it the next slide? Oh. oh, no, we missed it. Okay, no, anyway, it's, is there that's fine. Um, Veggie Tales is where he was working at the time. And so uh, he was a computer programmer, and he said, you know what, maybe I can, maybe we can, we can help some of the people that are still left in your country. And he said, okay, well, I'll ask my, my uncle if he could find some, you know, couple of families. And <laughs> we forgot all about it. We asked and, for 10 families. Right, we asked for 10 families. This is what was what we received, um, 220 families uh, that they sent like their bios, their children's names, what had happened in their family, and I was absolutely blown out of the water. I had no idea what we were supposed to do with you know 1,500 people that were currently starving. So Ben and I did what probably any of y'all would do. We started contacting like Compassion. How do we get, you know, world relief? We're like, how do we help these people? We don't know anything that we're doing. And none of them were able to do anything with these particular families because they were so far out in the bush. So um, God kept saying something to me, um, and I kept ignoring him terribly. But he kept saying to me, these are your families. These are your families. And I didn't know what that was supposed to mean, but I just was like, okay, well, I don't know what that means. And he said the same, I heard the same phrase in my devotions each day, not knowing that Melody had heard the same word, these are your families. And I didn't know what to do about it. Um, and so what I ended up doing was I made a PowerPoint like this with most of these pictures in it. And I went to 10 churches in Chicago asking for support for these families. Yell out a number, how much do you think I raised after going to 10 big churches? Who said zero? That's the right answer. <laughs> zero. I mean, next picture, please. I mean, I'm, I'm showing people, these people, and there's no shoes in there. They have worms, and their tummies are distended, and they have very little clothing. And I, I was in these very large, wealthy churches, and I was so confused. And the last pastor knew Melody and I, the missions pastor, and he said, Hey, Ben, where's your face in that picture? And I went, I looked at Melody and I said, Babe, we got to go to Africa. That's what's wrong. We, we're not raising support because they don't trust where the money's going. We've never been there. Uh, poor Melody had never left Chicago. <laughs> so um, what, did, what did you say when I said that? No, I'm not. <laughs> something like that. She, yeah. she said something like that with an H word oh, in there. Yeah, oh, um, <laughs> And, uh, I, I was pretty um, adamant that I wasn't going to be doing work for Africa. Now, earlier on when we mentioned that, um, I said that I would never be an, a, a missionary in Africa. And I think it's because when I was little, 
Connor's age. When I was about Connor's age, I remember that there were missionaries that came up, came up at our church, and they didn't look like me um, at all. Uh, I don't know what they were eating. It wasn't what I was eating. Anyway, so I was terrified that I think in my mind the most amazing um, spiritually developed people are the people that go for that type of work, the deep end of the pool. And I was not, when I was Connor's age, I'm like, I'll never do that. I don't want to have to eat a snake. I don't want to have to, I don't want to see the roaches that fly around. I didn't. I was terrified. And so um, when that pastor said, where, where are you there? I said, no, that's not my job. My job is to take care of my family. That's my ministry. God gave me four children. That's enough. And she walked out of that meeting. Like, I was, I was embarrassed. Yes. Well, that's not the first or the last time. <laughs> yeah, so. I'm sure today it'll happen again. Yeah, I'm sure it will. Um, so... I started planning a trip to Africa without her support. And I said, uh, remember the story of Gideon where he put the fleece out to see, you know, is God really talking to me? Um, and I, I said to Melody, God is not going to call me to Africa and you and the kids back home. That's just not going to fly. So if by this date I don't raise the money for the trip, actually that was her ultimatum. If I, if I didn't raise the $6,200 to go on this trip for three weeks without the children, then we were not supposed to do this. So. I mean, who leaves their kids for three weeks? <laughs> I, to go to Africa, I don't know. That's just, I, I thought you were crazy. Yeah. And I thought, I actually, I honestly did not believe that God had intended it for me to do it that way. I really didn't. You know that. Next slide. So... The Holy Spirit moves on my wife, and she says, I can see you're not raising the money very fast. And she said, I think I'm supposed to sell my wedding ring. And I'm like, I saved for 10 years for that. Uh, but okay. So we both sold our wedding rings, and we got up to about $6,000. We were $200 short. Friday night, the night before we were supposed to fly to Rwanda, Africa, we are short by 200 bucks. And Melody said, I told you, God is not asking us to go to. She didn't even have a bag packed. I said, well, sweetie, you know, God, God isn't done. It's not the end of the day. And someone knocked on our door, a stranger we've never met. Her, she was a Korean woman. She handed me an envelope. And she said, God told me to bring this to you guys. And I'm like, what? So I gave it to Melody. I'm like, you open it. <laughs> And there was $200 cash in there. And, the and I panicked. <laughs> no, no. I absolutely panicked. She called the lawyer. I did. I called the lawyer immediately and, and wrote a will before we left that night. I was like, this is crazy. Um, okay, kids, close your ears for just a minute. Close your ears. Oh. If I would have known that there was, like, medication for anxiety, I would have taken it. Okay, <laughs> open your ears. You're good. Okay. Yeah, that, that's what she's referring to is I'm on the – on the airplane in my seat and she's in the jetway and I could see her talking to the pilot as he's saying, are you coming? <laughs> and uh, she, she got on that plane. What's the next slide? Okay. This is a great picture because Melody is right there and does anyone see a road anywhere there? I mean, to go from Chicago and the big city to the bush, literally, 
there's a little story missing that you don't see in this picture from, what was the one before this? The wedding ring. The wedding ring. <laughs> so there's this span of Melody getting on the plane into this moment that we, we got to tell you. We, we, we told the elders uh, last night at dinner. Is it okay to tell the story that I told? Okay. She says it's okay, so I'll, I'll say it. Oh. this trip. I was like, I don't, I'm not a missionary. This is the word. So I'm just letting you know right away. I was furious. We were at a hostel. I was, I didn't know what it meant to not have electricity. Do I look like a person that can live without electricity? You mean hair dryer? Anything. Okay. Anything. Water, electricity. So anyway, we were there and Ben kept taking me to different places with different, um, <clears throat> with different, uh, okay, I was about to first five days that we were there, um, not only was I not able to have electricity or water or uh, talk to my kids, but um, we were also talking to the government officials there. And if you know anything about the genocide, you know how dangerous governments can be. And so as we were setting these things up, I knew that the people we were talking to were had murdered many, many, many people. So I was acutely aware how how much danger I was in. So Ben and his sweet little self was like, I'll take you out for, for lunch. And so we went to this cute little restaurant well, me, outside. Oh, yeah. So four or five days, we're like tense. Yeah. She can't reach the kids. It's nine hours ahead from Chicago time. Um, we're not sleeping. We're, we're jet lagged. I mean, all the things you could put on a, a couple that's in the middle of the bush. And... I thought, like any red-blooded American husband, let me get her to like a, a four-star, three-star lunch. That is really stretching. Okay, well, <laughs> I took her to a nice, I thought, restaurant. We ate outside. Go ahead. And, and this bird, I don't know what kind of birds they grow in Africa, but it was huge. And it came. So Ben was sitting across from me. I was sitting here. I was eating a sandwich. It, I saw it come in. It made a beeline from that stinking tree all the way towards me. And I'm like, hmm, what's going to happen here? And it literally took the sandwich out of my hand and scratched me going up. And I'm like, that is it. That is it. That's it. And I'm like, I just want to go home. Give me the tickets. Only I didn't say it that nicely. Give me the tickets to go home. And Ben said, but baby, so everybody gave it. And I said, I don't care. So I went running off. Um, I got a taxi. Kids, don't ever do this to your mama. Don't ever run anywhere without your mama or somebody who knows where you are. So, um, yeah, so I left. Ben didn't know where I was. and I found No cell phone. No, so I, I, had, a, I had ice cream. They, they had a little gelato, and I had ice cream, and I was just journaling at this little ice cream store and just... <coughs> just angry at God. God, why would you bring me here? I don't understand why I'm here. Do I look like a missionary? Do I look like somebody that knows what they're doing? I don't know what, they, what I'm supposed to be doing. And um, so that night I came home and I went to sleep. Well, came to the hostel, went to sleep, made Ben sleep on the cement floor. I was so mad at him. <sighs> he didn't sleep well. And um, that next morning we were supposed to go up in this little car and we were supposed to drive up to these 
to see these people um, that we'd only seen so far on these, this little bio. And Ben said to me, hey, do you want to go with me today? And I said, well, I'm not sitting here without electricity, so I guess I'm going. So Ben, I, can I just get on you a little? Sure. Okay, so you, he had the only place where there was air conditioning in that little van, and I was shoved in with like 18 people, went boo, and I just, all the resentment in my head was just like, he's just killing me right now. And um, so we finally got out after, I think we, we took like a six hour, that was a good. it was a six hour ride, and then we were walking for like another two hours, and we came up across this one woman, the, one of the ones that stood out to me um, in the bios, and this sweet little old lady. That's the next slide. Yeah, yep. this little, her, muchacho. Um, she comes out with her two grandbabies. Her entire family had been slaughtered in front of her. She was a very wealthy woman, but they took all of her cattle and killed all of her seven children and all of her grandbabies except for two. And she came out and she looked at me kind of sweet. I thought she was maybe 85. She is 52. I'm 52. So that gives you any idea. Um, she had been worn down by life, just worn down by grief. And I just said, Muchachru, Yerbakunda Chani, Yesu Cristo, Yerbakunda Chani. And she looked at me, which that means Jesus loves you so, so much. And she looked at me when I brought out the two little goats, uh, a male and a female goat, so she could start her business over again, her livelihood. And she said, I feel like my parents have come back to take care of me. And if you know anything about culture, parents are revered. Like that is one of the most unbelievable things somebody could have said. I just met her. And for what the price of going, taking my kids to McDonald's, this woman put me in this place of so much um, esteem and I just started bawling like a baby. And the Holy Spirit just poured out onto me and I just looked at Ben, and I said, I'm home. And he's like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? And I said, I feel like this is where I belong. So let me just stop here and, and, and say for y'all, I don't know who needs to hear this today. I don't know. Um, if you came here and you didn't want to be here. But let me say this. Sometimes we think, a lot of times we think we know what's best for us, don't we? A lot of times we think we know where we belong, we know what God has for us, we're just walking the walk. But when we surrender to God, when we surrender and just walk, and sometimes God takes us kicking and screaming, doesn't he? I'm a great example. He takes you as you are, and you will find yourself in a place when you follow God where you are at home and you didn't know that you were supposed to be there. Sometimes you need to go places that you don't think you need to go to. Now, let me just say this. My family is my first priority, but what God told me in that moment is, Melanie, you have so much more. You have so much more love to give than just your family. I'm expanding you to take in more people because you can handle it. I want you to love all of these people. So I, I was praying about this before we left, and I told God I would say it. I believe there's somebody in this room today that's supposed to be in the mission.
journey and you're thinking about how hard it is and what you have to look like or what kind of life you have to lead or what you're supposed to do um, to be a missionary, let me tell you, God took me. If he can take me, he can take you. God's got something for you very, very special. So I hope that you'll just follow and, and do what he's asked you to do because I'm telling you, I'm home. I'm home on this field. And do I look like I'm evil? I'm fancy, y'all. <laughs> I am fancy. And he just takes me just as I am. So, yeah. Anyway. So she held my hand and walked down the mountain, and I was like, oh, finally, it's, it's going better for the marriage, and now we're doing ministry together. Next slide. Uh, we, we came back home after this three-week trip, and we got all 220 families sponsored by just going to Bible studies, small groups, sharing our story. Um, Maybe I should stop and tell you this real quick. Um, we didn't know anything about, I, I've never been educated. Um, you kind of see me like it, right? Um, ben has a, an education, um, a college education, but I, I've never been to Bible school. Um, he's been into small business um, management, but we asked Providence, what do you, what do you think your people need to do better now? And so what he recommended was a three-year three program where people basically come out of poverty, we train them in some kind of vocation that they choose, and then they take care of themselves. So this is not a sponsorship program that lasts for a long time. This is something to get them on their feet and they take care of their own families. So that's, um, that was what God called us to. So we ended up moving our kids to Rwanda and uh, they became missionary kids and uh, God was growing our organization. Next slide. So fast forward, uh, as we're growing, we're now 500 plus families that are being, that God provided for. We have 15 people on staff. Um, the economy in the U.S. tanked between 2008 and 2011. It was, it was tough, so we had to come back and raise some support. Um, during that time, I got our youngest daughter, Hope, her driver's license in Frisco, Texas, and uh, our plans changed dramatically. Uh, three days later, next picture. Uh, <laughs> so crazy. Her name is Hope. Um, she was uh, killed, and then God breathed life back in her in the helicopter. Um, semi hit her, uh, doing 58. And... Uh, we spent the next two years rehabbing her and teaching her how to speak and walk and talk and read and write. Uh, but God has, he can use anything. Something as terrible as almost losing our daughter. Um, Melody, what did you feel when, when you were taking care of Hope in the hospital and, and how it related to Africa? You know, in the villages that we work in, Two children out of five will pass before the age of five years of age. Um, and that's from something simple like um, hunger or fever or things of that nature. So I really, um, I tried to relate to that kind of loss. But when this happened and 
And um, our daughter has severe um, traumatic brain injury. Um, she has been able to start taking care of herself in the last couple of years. So it's been a huge, tremendous win for God. Praise God. Um, but I sat in that bed watching my daughter's life ebb and flow. Just, um, we, didn't, we didn't know. We know she'd gone. She passed. God brought her back barely. And she was just hanging. Um, and I remember just thinking to myself, this is what it feels like in Africa when there's nothing you can do. You don't have anything that you can save your child with. There's nothing you can do. The feeling of helplessness that I had at that moment was so intense and so powerful that God reminded me this is what women feel like every single day in the village, and you have a really good understanding of it now. So I remember being able to, when I was able to go back to Africa, having a renewed sense of empathy for women that were struggling with the loss of their children. I'm sure some even here might have lost a child or, um, yeah, it's, it is one of the most devastating feelings. So, yeah. yeah. You can see Mel Melody's taught me how to show compassion. She's one, one of the most compassionate people I've ever met. And here's a picture of her just comforting one of our widows um, after the fact, after we, actually all of our staff and all of the widows thought we would never come back because of the accident it was so brutal. Um, and Hope uh, asked to go back home, which was Uganda, and she made one last trip to Uganda when she was 18 or 19. Yeah, and uh, what a welcoming she had, but it was very difficult with her brain injury, all the bumpy roads and the flights and, and all that, so she hasn't been back since. Next slide. This is a, a little bit more of the details of what our program does with uh, restoring families. We transform families, like Melody said, through a three-year program. It's, you know, Compassion or World Vision, it might be like a 20-year sponsorship. Uh, when the child graduates high school, you're done. For us, it's a whole family, um, mostly widow. And sometimes we'll have an orphan who's 17, 18 years old, taking care of six siblings, uh, and, and they will be qualified in our program also. And we do have a few widowers, uh, men that have lost their wives that are handicapped, that can't really care for their family. Um, and like, like Melody said, we teach them three streams of income, self-sufficiency. Uh, we transform the community. Uh, we've done 50 water wells. We've done medical intervention, livestock distribution. We've also built a few churches, which has been exciting. Uh, that's the next slide there. Do you want to add anything to that? No, I was just going to say that um, it just, it's kind of shocking to me. Um, I'm just kind of curious. You know, seeing who, seeing where I come from, I can't, I can't look back on it and think this is the type of person that has the ability, quote unquote, the ability to transform this many lives. I think in, um, how many families have we sponsored now? I, I don't even know. There's, 
20 years. So. Yeah, so it, we've been working for doing this for 20 years now. So we've got maybe 8,000 people that have gone through our program. We have built like 450 homes and all kinds. And it just, what God does, he just is so big. He's so much bigger than I imagined him to be. He's, and he's given me so much capability to be able to do this. I just want, first of all, let me just say this. Without your church, I don't know if y'all know this, but your church has donated to our organization. Does any who who does anyone know that? Okay, so y'all know that. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, honestly, I have seen the faces of the women and the children that you have transformed with your giving, and I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for the way that you've given so graciously, so generously to our organization and trusted us to do um, something awesome with your donation. So just to let you know, um, Ben had a project that he really strongly believed in and um, I, you, your, or your church has actually given to our organization for this purpose. Mm -hmm. So God put this little vision on my mind, uh, clean water, living water, and uh, those are ceramic those are five gallon pails with a tap and there's a ceramic thing inside where they can pour their, their gross water into that they used to have to boil and it filters it out and that's where they can have their drinking water. So we were able to distribute over 200 of those and then this little thing here is a solar powered audio Bible. Most of our families don't have any they can't read. They can't read. They can't even sign their name. Or sign the name. Usually when they go to the bank, they use, um, a, they wet the mud, they put their finger in the mud, and then they put it on the paper. That's how they sign for their bank account. Um, but, I want to show yeah, them. totally. You were asking me about Ugandan. This is so yeah, Ugandan. The book of Genesis. It's in English. The account of creation. So what happens is this, this Bible is, then is, with the help of your church, handing out these Bibles. They will sit around, and ten people will be listening to the Word of God. It is the most powerful thing. If you can't read the Bible, how are you ever supposed to know who God really is? So they get an opportunity because of y'all to be able to hear God's word for themselves. It's powerful. So thank you for that. I have no idea when we're supposed to stop. We're good? We're good? Nobody's falling asleep? Okay. Okay, uh, what was the slide we were on? I forgot. No. It was... You want to go back? I think you might have skipped a few. Oh, maybe not. Okay, keep going. The other way again. Uh, this is the church we were able to dedicate uh, a, a, a good portion of the money you guys have donated has gone to our trip. We have to fundraise every trip we go on for airplane tickets, uh, lodging, security, all kinds of expenses. And so I wanted to show you this picture. This is, after seven years, this pastor 
had that dirt floor that Roger was talking about, and uh, they used tarps for their roof, some tarps, some banana leaves, um, and that man never asked me for one dollar over the seven years I knew him, Pastor Paul. And I was at uh, First Baptist Church in Frisco, Texas, donated the money, and we built the, their first ever brick uh, with cement floors and glass windows and locking doors. And this church building is used like a multi-purpose. Uh, they'll do some schooling in there. They'll, when we come, we do a, like a 10-station thing for each widow to go through medical uh, medical checks, um, gifts from their family, gifts to their family, prayer. We have a prayer, um, like a little station. So I just wanted you guys to put a picture with where, when you put your money in the offering and it goes to missions, this is one place that it's, it, it's getting there. It's actually reaching the people. Next slide. Okay, so we, we always are at a conundrum, like, do we ask for help with our the U.S. side of the costs? And do we ask for the widows? And, and God always puts it back in, in my head, just trust me for the U.S. and, of course, uh, the family sponsorship. Uh, we, we brought 10 families. We printed out 10 biographies that are out on the table. Uh, we're hoping to get as many as possible, obviously. We have like 75 on our waiting list. And these are screened and... Uh, very personally selected by local churches and pastors uh, to qualify for our program. It's a three-year commitment, $73 a month. That's like two times at McDonald's or once at Starbucks. <laughs> uh, I always feel terrible. My drink is a brevet. And it's you know what? It looks like I'm fancy, but when you hear his coffee, hey. you'll know who really is high maintenance over here. <laughs> but I, I usually make my own coffee every morning. I do French press and all that. But if I'm out, it's like six. <laughs> it's like six dollars and eighty cents, and I always feel horrible because um, Starbucks very expensive, and I usually make my own. But um, I look at now. I after working in Africa, I look at every financial decision through a filter of. Wait a minute. It's just the Holy Spirit checking me. Wait a minute. Um, James 1.27, pure religion, pure dedication to the Lord is serving widows and orphans in their distress. And, and these pictures, that's distress right there, guys. That's worm infestation in his belly. Um, that was very hard picture for me to take, actually. Um, Anyway, 98% uh, of that sponsorship goes directly to Uganda because we raise, like, when your church supports us as missionaries, we separate all that. And so that $73 majority goes to Africa. We do um, an email letter exchange from between your family so we can create this intimacy where you actually feel like you're getting to know someone um, and, and they treasure your pictures and your letters like you would not believe. Um, on our website, I don't know if you know any website where you can buy a cow from the website. You can buy a cow, you can buy a house, you can buy a goat or pigs. Yeah, but you'll also get a picture of them receiving it. And a video. That's, and a video, which is so awesome. Yeah. It's just the best thing ever. And then uh, one thing we wanted to mention today is we do missions trips in June. 
Uh, if, if you're on staff or leadership here at the church, we do a really shortened one in Ju January. So see us about that. But the one in June is the 24th? June 24th through July 7th, where the, the re reason people come with us is they want to meet that widow. They want to step across her front door and, and hug her and see where um, their support has been going and, and let them know that, that the Father loves them and he hasn't forgotten them. Uh, a second need is partnering with us. Um, you know, the economy is a bit strained right now and we've we've actually lost some sponsors for both sides of this uh, in the last couple of months so you can partner with us monthly you can also we need prayer y'all uh, some of the things we're sharing with you were direct attacks on our marriage on our ministry um, uh, right now um, we need your prayers so you know what, would you mind if I just spent a minute in prayer? Because, you know, I have, like, just, would you mind if I closed in prayer right quick? Um, I, I have a, I just feel like I'm supposed to pray for the families right now. Sure. I'm having a really strong feeling for them. Sure. Okay, let's bow our heads and pray. <sighs> Heavenly Father, you know right now, I'm picturing their faces, the women that are without anything to eat right now, and their children. I pray for Tio Pista. I pray for Josephine. I pray for Satalina. I pray for Tendo. Lord, I pray for all of their children. I pray that you would be able to provide for them today. I pray that you would be able to put food on their table in some way, God. Just sustain them. Sustain them, God. Help them in their disease, Lord, any kind of illness any sickness that's on them, Lord, I just pray that you would heal them. God, would you just lead and direct us as we move towards Africa, God, that you, that you would use us, God. Help us be the hands and feet to those who are our brothers and sisters in Christ and to those who are still looking to be rescued from you or by you from this world. Thank you so much for laying this ministry on our heart. Thank you for sustaining us, God. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the way that they've given so generously, Lord. May you just bless them, bless them, and make them fruitful. I pray for whoever is here right now, Lord, that's being called to your service, wherever it is, whether it's in this community, outside of this community, or far away, God, I pray that they would be encouraged to just go in Jesus' name. And we ask this all in your name. Amen. And the last slide just has our website, I think. And why are you giving me this? Are you done? I think I'm done. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Three minutes over. Oh, sorry, guys. Tell her over, you're fine. Okay. Because, I mean, if this was an African church, Y'all would miss your Kansas City game. <laughs> we we go from like 8 a.m. to like 7 p.m. and it's it's hard. <laughs> Do you want us sitting down? Well, actually, we can tell this. Oh. I want us to come and pray for them. Uh, so if if you want to pray from where you are, if you want to come and, and just join us in prayer, I would like to invite you. But uh, as a church.
church family, I'd just like for us to take a moment and pray for Benjamin and Melody uh, in their ministry. So yeah, if you want to come, go ahead. your story uh, into our lives today. And Lord, we just pray your blessing, your protection, uh, God, just your abundance in their marriage, in their family, on their ministry. And God, we are grateful that we get to partner with them, God, that you have called us to be a part of this ministry. And God, what that all means, we're still uh, working that out. And, but God, you've clearly uh, done something today, uh, spoken to hearts. Lord, we just pray that you are glorified, and God, that uh, whatever attacks do come against Benjamin and Melody, God, that you just put a, a wall of protection around them, that your work would continue, God. Lord, even as our economy falters, God, I pray that their funds increase. God, I pray that you just show the world what you are capable of doing. God, that you are not dependent on an economy, God. Lord, we uh, just pray that, Lord, more and more families are able to come to know you, are, are able to become self-sufficient. Uh, God, through this ministry, God, that you just continue to work in people's hearts to support them. God, that we would see there's a, a bigger world out there than what we experience. God, that your kingdom is truly worldwide. God, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. All are one in Christ Jesus. And God, we just pray that you put that sense of mission and unity in our own hearts. And God, that you just continue to move Benjamin and Melody in, in ways, God, that will just further this ministry and, and grow it. God, that their impact would increase. That you would expand their borders, God, of, of their reach for your kingdom. 